welcome to the Own Your Epic podcast. My name is Jay Dostal, author of the book Own Your Epic, Leadership Lessons in Owning Your Voice and Your Story. In this podcast, I highlight the stories and voices of educators across the country who are making a difference in schools and uncover what makes them exceptional leaders in their field. By sharing the voices and stories of others, we can all learn to appreciate that each of us is the author of our own epic and our experiences are relatable to others, if we are willing to share them. Let's get started on the Own Your Epic process. Welcome to the Own Your Epic podcast. I am excited to have this guest on here. Uh, I've been waiting to do this. It's just uh, trying to get our schedules uh, lined up because he's a very busy guy, but uh, I don't think that I would have a podcast if it weren't for this guy. Um, and the multiple conversations that we have had for almost uh, over a decade now, this is uh, this is like a really cool opportunity for uh, for me to kind of quiz him a little bit. He's always quizzing me and challenging me, but uh, I think you're really going to like him. But rather than me talk about him, uh, I'd like him to do his own intro. So uh, why don't you tell us a little about who you are and what you do? Right on. Hi, Jay. Um, yeah, so my name is Nathan. That's 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 who I am, uh, Nathan Eklund. And yeah, Jay and I have worked together for a long time. We were younger. We were younger bucks, Mr. Dostal, when we when, we, when our paths crossed. And a lot of a lot of living and learning has happened since then. So um, I have spent the entirety of my actually kind of the entirety of my life in education, if I think about it, because starting in kindergarten up till today, I've only worked in one industry. <laughs> is that is that true for you too, Jay? I mean, I mean yeah, it is. To be honest. Like, like, like I worked at Burger King. I mean, I guess, but I mean, but in terms of like a career arc, I've actually, this has been continuous from like age six. <laughs> well, you're a kindred spirit with me too, because you were, uh, you were an English teacher at one point too. Yeah. 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 So I started my, professional career in education as a high school English teacher. Um, and uh, I loved it. I uh, loved teaching. Um, I was really good at it. And I'm going to say that out loud, not as an ego play, but I think more more educators need to own it. Yeah, I was really I loved it. I, I love my students. I, I think they dug me and it was it was a blast. I think at the same token, you know, after a decade of teaching, um, I was just really curious. I'm an entrepreneurial person and I also like solving um, bigger problems. And so I, uh, I, I had a great principal uh, who I worked for. He knew me really well. He hired me. He was my principal for, for that whole like period of my life. And when it came time to consider maybe being an administrator, he's like, yeah, I don't really know. I don't think that, that might not be it for you. Um, he says, I don't know if you are built to spend 90% of your time solving 10% of people's problems is what he said to me. And I, he goes, I don't know if you're wired that way. So, um, yeah, so then I, I left teaching. I got a two-year research grant um, to look at educator burnout and workforce development. So I went straight from the classroom to, um, like, basically, it should have been a PhD, but it wasn't. It ended up being a, a book, so I, I authored the book, How Was Your Day at School? Uh, improving dialogue about teacher job satisfaction, which I know you know, Jay, because you've 
read it so many times they had to buy multiple copies right because there's so many yeah. dog yeah, ears and entire staff yeah. <laughs> yeah and so um so that was really that was that was a an honor and a privilege to have to have that period of my life just to to learn and to write and to create and when the book came out, um, it was really exciting. It was really energizing. I got to go and speak about it and do book signings and <clears throat> excuse me, it was sort of sexy and it was fun, but, uh, um, the longer I kind of was speaking about it, the less and the better I got at speaking at it, the less satisfying it got. Um, I would go and I would present or at a conference or something and inevitably after the conference or after I was speaking. I would meet people in such need, like, uh, oh, the way you describe what working in a school can look like, or the way you describe relationships with my colleagues, or with my administrator, or with my staff, like, oh, that, that's amazing, but so far from what I'm experiencing, and real hurt and pain um, in their voice. So the better I, the, the, I, I improved as a speaker, but I felt like I was actually hurting people by improving. Did and you internalize so, a, lot of that, uh, a lot of that stuff that you were hearing? Yeah, probably. I mean, I probably, I, I do, there was, there are some kind of a couple of like kind of made for TV moments in that point, point of my life where like, um, this, uh, I was m more passionate and, and more knowledgeable about, about this content and about what, and these beliefs and this research. Um, and even the venue started to get bigger, like, like bigger conferences or bigger key, like, like, so, so like it was, it was, gravitating a certain direction but it became a real existential kind of feeling i do remember there's one evening of kind of a really great big audience and a really great speech and i had a, I had a riot but again that kind of happy hour afterwards is just one of like um therapy it was like i was it wasn't like hanging out it was like doing like walking therapy for people and you know it, it felt awful I, I got on a plane the next morning i was like this is not quite right for me um might be for this is not this is not uh, really fulfilling that need so the question then was how do you make sort of action out of that philosophy how do you make how do you create change using it so from a technical standpoint um authored a survey that essentially measured my book so we could work with schools to measure workplace culture and climate and job satisfaction of educators and actually lead change processes um, that <clears throat> that was um, that's really where I started in my consulting practices once we had ways to actually measure and grow um, and so then that uh, that launched the last 11 years of my life which has been working in k-12 education just around um, the adult ledgers in school just how are how are people doing um, but even that then uh, so you're catching me uh, right in the midst of my like third grade trans, so the one transition was, you know, teaching to, um, to uh, research and writing. The next transition was research and writing to um, consulting. And right now I'm in my, my third, my third big transition in life, which is, um, I'm as much as I love consulting and I love helping people, it's not having the impact that we need in our, in our world. It's too small. And I, I can't, I don't want to, I can't, imagine having 5,000 people working like I don't know how to scale up impacting education at a time when we deeply need that impact so we are now launching so Eklund Consulting my former business is 
on the shelf and vital network is what I'm launching now, which is just how do we really scale using um, social networks, technology, and just know-how and research into being able to help thousands and thousands of schools versus a hundred schools. Man, I know you could probably go on for days on this because you and I usually have conversations that go back and forth and we kind of <laughs> go in lots of different directions, but um, you know, I think one of the reasons why you are the, and I have a script of questions, Nathan, but just based on what you just said, I'm going to completely bypass that. And we're just going to, I'm going to, we're going to wrap with, uh, with what we got. So, so I met you, uh, actually when I was, uh, an assistant principal going through this process in 1 district, but then, uh, when I became a principal in another school district. Um, I remembered your book and we had a real cultural crisis in our building. And, um, I think 1 of the things that I appreciated most as we began working and doing the heavy lifting was you were always challenging me as the leader to think outside the box. What am I bringing to the situation? Because leaders do have a tremendous impact on the culture of their building and the well-being of their staff and that sort of thing. And so how how did you grow in that process where you were a classroom teacher, you were a consultant, you were never you were never an administrator, but how did you get to the point where you could talk to thick-headed stubborn administrators like me to get through to them to say, "Listen, you are the agent of change here. You're the one again. You're the one who's going to have to do this. How did how did that evolve over time? Yeah, that's such a good. You know, I, I um, I'm o I'm okay with like this 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 question, and I like I've come to accept it. Like I, uh, uh, I, the bulk of my career, I have been. I hope of use. To people, but I have never spent a, a second in their actual shoes, and I, I just I, I own that. Like that is that is absolutely the case. Um, it's oftentimes why I would, in certain instances, try to connect somebody with someone who has been in their shoes because there's a limit. There's a limit to what I can kind of conceptualize, and I'm, I'm I humbly submit, you know, that that that, that is the the case. Um, I think for the most part, I've been trying to I've tried to define my role with people out of um, just a focus on utility. Am I useful? Like, cause whether or not you, whether or not I know this, I've done that or been there is what we're talking about and working through together of value to you and your people. Are you living a more joyful life? Are you, are you uh, less stressed? Are you more engaged? Do you have more to offer the universe um, because of the things that we're working on? If the answer is yes, then, then cool. Like I, I, I um, if the answer is no, then that's probably cool too. <laughs> like the time to move on. So I think, um, for me, if, uh, I don't, I, I, I never try to act like I've done your job, Jay, for example, like I, I haven't, but I, can I be a, can I be a sounding board for you and with you and other leaders? Can I take what I've learned from, I, well, I have the gift of variety and focus, right? Um, so one thing I don't have is building a master schedule. I don't build budgets. I don't have to worry, worry about canceled buses. I don't care if the rats got out of the bio lab. Like I don't, so I, I also have like this luxurious place where I get to 
to to think, research, grow, and learn from others, and then kind of um, be a clearinghouse of, of what I'm what I'm what I'm learning from 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 people. So I've I've, I mean, I've had I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of really talented, unbelievable people. So it's been a, a decades long master class for me. And, and, and some of what we, we build and create here with, with Vital Network and, and, and how we uh, try to um, impact our profession. So, um, you know, I think the other thing to your question around administrative impact on culture and on, on the satisfaction of others um, is totally true. I also think that we do a horrible job about talking about your job satisfaction, your mental well-being, your professional growth. Um, I don't want to build systems where it's really awful being a school board member, but at least it's okay being a superintendent, or it's really awful being a superintendent, but at least it's okay being a principal, or it's really awful being a principal, but at least it's okay being a teacher. Like, why bake misery anywhere into the system? <laughs> like, why don't we have, uh, why, you know, why don't we have vital boards that are a, a pleasure to serve on, serving vital leaders who serve vital teachers? Like, like I, so I, I, I'm careful when we talk about impact of um, admin on culture and well-being that it sounds like you are excluded from that and the leader of it, not a participant and a willing partner in a great place to teach and lead and learn and a willing partner in like well-being and looking forward to coming to work and looking forward to going home and being healthy there too. So I, I, I have a, I don't like I don't like conversations that tend to like say it is a leader's job to X to to function in this way because I think that excludes the leader from the benefit of those efforts themselves. Man, it's like you're reading my mind because you <laughs> I knew you were gonna answer the question that way. So I kind of led you down there because you and I had multiple conversations about that. My first principal job about Jay, this isn't about you. This isn't about you. You need to take that lens off and look at the collective whole. And, you know, I like to think that over our decade long relationship that I have learned and grown as as a leader and uh, really figured out, uh, you know, some of the the ingredients to that secret sauce that is really going to help school cultures move forward because uh, I I still have this sticky note that you wrote uh, on in Kearney, Nebraska, and I have used it in all of my spots uh, in Fayetteville and now here uh, in Omaha um, that says anything left to chance will ultimately skew towards the negative. And that all centered around this concept of culture that at the end of the day, yes, content and all of that stuff is important in, in education, but culture is king and anything left a chance will ultimately skew towards the negative. So if culture is not your number one focus in your school and you're not doing something every single day to help that culture get better or maintain this, this vibrant uh, relationship building between students and staff and administrators and everybody, then it will ultimately skew towards the negative. What have you seen in your travels and in your consulting and now work with Vital? What have you seen 
have you seen examples of schools that do it really well versus schools that don't? And what are some of the things that uh, the common threads that you see in those, the differences between the schools that are doing it really well versus the schools that aren't? Yeah. Could be, I wish we could podcast. I wish we could start every day recording. A pod, my brain, <laughs> you know, it's a great question, Jay. I, I, I think. Here's I'm and and what happens when you and I chat? It's usually pretty extemporaneous, but it's always like gives me something to chew on for the next eight days. I think culture is boring, and and I think we don't give it and like in a good like and I mean this positively. So, so, um, I think when we when we talk and I don't even know if we know what we talk about when we say build culture. Uh, support culture, transform culture. Like the word culture itself, I think, is worthy of a deep exploration. But when I say it's boring, um, the best places I have seen for for human conditions in a workplace. So I'm not even saying I'm not even sure that's culture. I'm just saying human conditions in a workplace. Those are born on like really. Uh, refined decision-making processes where people feel like they are not only listened to, but they're invested in policies and procedures that affect them. They run really economical meetings. There's no wasted time. So if I ask you for 40 minutes of your time, like 37 minutes of those will be valuable. Uh, when, I, when we have uh, parent-teacher conferences the lines where the parents line up are perfectly executed. And my job, I just get to talk to parents. So again, like, like to me, culture is like a real is is kind of mechanical. Now, I think uh, on the other end of that, it would be Jeans Friday and Taco Tuesday and food trucks in the parking lot and staff barbecues and Secret Santa, like that's all good like i'm so so but i think when most people think about culture and growing it they skew towards like ugly sweater parties <laughs> and a math teacher might invited to wear said ugly sweater given the option say here's a really fun party in the lounge or you're not going to have your fifth curriculum in three years which one would she choose she would probably choose to have a say in like her instruct her daily instructional practice, and you can keep the sweaters. And so I, my, my, so I'm not saying that like fun and the laughter and community and relationships aren't important. I just don't know if they're always sequenced correctly in our thinking. I think we should first have really, really like um, quiet, calm, thoughtful places to work in good relationship with people with whom I work and fun. And and I, I, I and I know you're we're both athletes and coaches. For me, this is about winning. Like win, right, winning locker rooms do not have culture problems. So so like this is about winning. And what does winning feel like? You know, like in teaching. Winning feels like um I get to spend most of my time actually teaching, for example. That that's that's winning. As a leader, what is winning? Winning is feeling like my people um, uh, are in community with me to build something and to grow something forward. I feel like I am part of something, not at the tip of a sphere of something. 
that's like to me that's that's winning and so i like i um i think we've over i think we have a bunch of of um of uh sort of equations in education which we aren't doing i think uh, this and this is a bit of an opinion but it's some but but opinion based on some pretty good bruises right yeah um, that that uh, right like right now for example a huge push in, around teacher mental health and resiliency obviously the last few years have been gutting so i am not suggesting we should not be investing in the mental health and well-being of, of, of professionals but if we look at like the causes of burnout and we look at the causes of like what what really affects people i can't deep breathe my way out of a poorly run organization I can't do enough yoga to overcome a toxic or disrespectful um, work environment. Like there's no, I, I can do yoga 23 hours a day. It's not gonna overcome that one hour of, of that. And so I would, so to me, it's yoga and, it's breathing and, and if, minus the and of, of deep organizational growth, refinement and thinking, I'm kind of like, keep your yoga. Like I, I would rather just like treat, let's be boring for a while, <laughs> drama free and boring and just really elegant in how we run this place. That's awesome. That's awesome. Like, I wish I could put a capstone on that, but I mean, I think you said it, you said it best. Um, wow. Hey, let me, uh, let me switch gears on you because uh, you uh, or the first person that I thought of to write a forward for the Own Your Epic book, just because you and I have gone through a lot together mm -hmm. and uh, you give me a lot of great feedback. And so you're familiar with the process and uh, part of that, uh, a couple of steps in that process are to uh, curate and cultivate your story so you can amplify your voice. What's uh What's that one story you love to tell people about your own epic and and how you've kind of traversed the highs and lows of the the epic journey? I know this kind of speaks to your soul as a as an English uh, teacher. You know the, the the epic story has highs and lows, has different characters. What are what's that what's that one story or a couple of moments that really you like to tell everybody when you're talking to them about how you've gotten to this point in your life? Yeah, man, such a good story. And I, I will say that I have just the, <clears throat> I stand on the back of so many smart, great people who have helped and helped me along the way. I, the, 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 my, this story being here today starts at sort of a quiet moment. And it's a, it's an important one from both characters, me and the other person. <laughs> when I've, when I started to think while leaving teaching, I was pretty nervous, right? You want to have to pay your mortgage. And we had little, we had little kids at the time. And um, so like my thought was I need to get a job, right? So I'm going to go do something. And I thought, well, I can write. So I knew uh, through my father, a woman named Lynn Casey, who was a president of a giant PR and marketing firm here in Minneapolis. And so I reached out to her and she's like, yeah, come on in. We met. I did like the writing tests and everything. And, uh, and uh, obviously I could, I could write. That was one thing I could do. And so I figured, well, you know, I'll write PR stuff. So I went, I went through all of that. I sat down with her 
Um, so it's kind of cool to sit with the actual president, not like the nature. And she's like, okay, I read your stuff and I know you and uh, I'll hire you. Uh, if you. You have a job. I don't want to. Um, you will spend most of your time writing about like buttons on machinery for like a, a, a plant in Milwaukee. Like I, I think you, I think you have something else you should be doing with your time and talents, but you have a job if you want it. Call me if you need me, but I hope I don't hear from you. And that, that, um, that started all of this, like it, it unleashed, um, my sense of like, um, of purpose. Um, it unleashed like a sense of confidence. Um, and I, I think in quiet ways, I hope in my own life, I've done, I've paid her back for that with the way that I've work with others like how do you, and so she saw something in me that suggested that sitting in a cube farm writing was not was not going to be it for me um so what what do you really want to do what, what really drives you what's really important um i've sort of <clears throat> held on to that image and then in my own life so um it's why i left speaking to consulting it's why i've now left consulting like what am i really supposed to do what, what can i take of what I have to offer and maximize it. Um, what, what, what can I do that's actually going to impact the world? And, and, and by the way, make me happy. I, I, I'm, I don't want to sound, because there's no martyrdom here. I'm having more fun right now than I was a year ago. Uh, uh, because of what I'm doing right now energizes me and it's exciting to me. And I don't mean, it sounds selfish to say it that way, but um, hello, like, this is life, like, I want to enjoy it. So, yeah, like, I, I'm under more stress right now than I've ever been in my life, but I'm also having more fun than I've ever had. So, so I, this goes, so really, we're going back to this, sitting in this beautiful office space um, that looked really cool with a brilliant woman, and she's just like, I'm, I don't think this is what you're meant to be. And I, I so I think in terms of, like, owning my epic, I think it, it really started there. It started there to be liberated, to be liberated to find purpose is one. I mean, it sounds kind of overly poetic, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with it. Wow. So I've heard hundreds of stories from you. Yeah. You've shared this back and forth. Yeah. I've never heard that one. Mm -mm. But as you said that, those same probing questions that she asked you, I heard those questions being asked to me by you. I mean, you were you were paying that forward in multiple ways, and you really challenged me to to think about that. And those questions are so valuable because it was not prompting me to get out of education. It was real. Wh why did you get into education in the first place? And so, uh, you know, I I I love that that. I love that she did that for you. I love that you ha have done that to me, and I know you've done that to countless others. And so I'm going to give you, because uh, we're coming up here uh, towards the end of time, but I want to give you one more question that I know is right in your wheelhouse, and it relates to this. But the world of education is seeing a number of teachers leave the profession and fewer people wanting to become teachers. As someone who has been around school for a while, schools for a while and seen the highs and lows, what advice do you have for educators who are listening to this podcast? Yeah, that's, I mean, and I just want to 
clarify, Jay, that you asked me, so if I am a teacher, for example, or a principal listening to this podcast, I'm speaking, you want me to answer to an individual? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a cynical part of me, Jay, honestly, and this sounds just, I'm just bear with me for it. You know, I'm not a cynical person. Nope. Um, Anytime I start I mean, seeing you walk around and start yeah. pissing, I know I'm gearing up for something big. If I was an ed if I'm an educator, maybe, and I'm in a spot where I'm, I, I still love teaching, but uh, the 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 experience that I'm having um, isn't great. My cynical answer is: have your resume ready and go find some place that actually values you, listens to you, cherishes you, and fights to keep you. Um, in that environment, you won't burn out. And so burnout's not a, a personal failure. You didn't, there's no guilt on burnout. You, we, we have a working definition. I know we're up on time, so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go, but we have, a, I, I have a working definition of burnout. The old definition of burnout says that uh, it's caring about others so much without caring for yourself. That's really what, what, what traditional, I don't like it. Because what it's, that says to somebody is if you're burning out, it's your fault. You're not doing enough to take care of yourself. You're not sleeping enough, exercising enough, eating well enough. Well, like something, a personal failure of yours. My working definition of burnout is working in an environment where no degree of self-care can overcome the negative impact of the, of the place where you work. So cynically, I would say to someone maybe who's in a bad place, go find some place where you're not going to be treated that way and, and have fun. Um, good luck to you. Number two, if you can't do that, then start driving change at the organizational level as much as you can and impacting the machinery in which you work as much as possible. Plus the yoga, the jeans, those ugly sweaters, the breathing, the sleeping, the eating. So continue to take care of yourself, but see if you, what, how do you impact the environment in which, in which you are operating? Because if, um, if you are in an environment where the conditions are such that no degree of self-care is going to work, that's not on you. That's it's not your fault. <laughs> it's guilt-free. How do you how can you influence and impact the place where you work and the people with whom or for whom you work? I would say would be my would be my first um, uh, and 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 foremost advice. But to give some hope in that, and this is really important. If I'm just sitting here thinking, oh, that sounds great, Nate. Thanks. So I'm just gonna like great. I'm gonna change. My whole district in order to be happy no you aren't but the kinds of changes necessary to actually create a, a, a sustainable and enjoyable work environment aren't rocket science they just aren't jay think about the leadership teams we've helped build together think about the decision making and communication processes we've helped build think about developing staff leadership to have a stronger voice on behalf of their college these are like these are not it's not like you just sit and hope your world changes you can actually impact it and so um yeah i i i know i'm not giving a a real a real clean answer i guess if i had to if i had to circle back on my own answer i think the first stage of like moving forward um for people is to let go of the of the sense that they're doing something wrong. Um, that's that, uh, well, you might be, by the way, you might be staying up watching uh, Netflix till four in the morning and then getting up at six. That's on you, right? I mean, be, um, 
you need to be, you need to grow up. That's not how humans function. Like get over yourself, get to bed like that. I mean, there, there's like, there, that, that, that's an element of it. But I think this is really, if you think about just a joyful experience, working in education is a partnership between sound personal practices and really fantastic organizational practices. And it is at that crossroads of those two where a deep fulfillment can happen. Wow. Nate, just because, uh, again, you and I have this relationship and we'll continue to have this relationship. And I, uh, I believe in the work that you do. I am excited about the, uh, the new venture that you have with the vital network. Um, how can people get in contact with you if they want to learn more about the vital network and, uh, you know, improving teacher well-being, school cultures, uh, all, all of the stuff that we've talked about today. How, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, I think the first place I'd go is vitalnetwork.com. Uh, and uh, there's both kind of consume um, who and what we are, but also um, reach out to us so that we can, we can talk about how we can help. Um, and I, I think the, um, you know, just uh, a little context on that, you know, vital meet, uh, one is check your vitals. So we have a number of measurements that we use to look at both organization and personal well-being. So we can look at like the conditions of, of adults in the school. And then vital as in you are important. Um, you are vital. You are critical. And so I think how do we help prioritize with, with districts um, uh, all of this work that necessary to make sure that adults are treated in a certain way and retained in a certain way in order to have great places for kids. Um, and so we're we're pretty militant about the idea that giving something to adults is not taking something away from kids. I think that, that is a you know. So I, I would I would really encourage people to go and and, uh, and kind of poke around that site, um, and then reach out. Uh, we'd love to just talk. Where are where are you at uh, on your journey? Where where are you starting? And then how do you envision where you want to go? And let's get there. Let's go. Let's win. That's awesome. Well. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say to, to that statement, it works. I didn't, I mean, I had a brief conversation with you years ago and remembered that. And so when I got in my first principalship, I actually just emailed you and said, Hey, what's, uh, what's the deal? Can we, can we work together? And then that just took off. So, um, you know, it's kind of the, the ending to this episode, cause we are up against time and I want to hold true to what I promised my li listeners from the very get-go that we're going to keep these uh, in between 30 and 40 minutes. But Nate, uh, I don't tell you enough, but I love you, man. You have been a mentor to me for so long. Uh, we've gone through some highs and lows, even not even living in the same state. We just, mm -hmm. we, we make an intentional effort to do drop-ins on one another, to check on each other, see how our families are doing. Um, you know, you're, you're the first person I call when I'm looking at uh, a different job and you, you, you've kind of seen me as my, my, my epic has gone. Um, you are a major character in my epic. And, uh, I don't think that I'd be in the place that I am now without you. And so, uh, I just, I want to thank you for giving us some of your time. And I uh, would encourage all the listeners out there, go to vitalnetwork.com and, uh, and, and see the work that Nathan Eklund is doing because uh, it can change 
your view of how schools operate and what good schools should look like. And so until next time, uh, we will see you around on the Own Your Epic podcast. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. To find out more about Own Your Epic, check out my website at ownyourepic.blogspot.com where you can purchase my book or subscribe to all the latest blog and podcast updates. Until next time, own your epic and share your voice and your story. It matters and can make a difference in the lives of others.